0: You're listening to the Big Locals Podcast, a podcast platform built to serve the locals. Join us as we follow the innovative, eccentric, and movers and shakers of the Denver community. Brought to you by the not-so-local host, Ian Jimeno. Shop local, support local, the Big Locals Podcast.
1: I saw you down the street with someone new. I couldn't care, I stare, but you want me to I'm feeling fine, I'm doing it. ain't that the truth? I saw you walking down
0: the street with someone. Hello and welcome to the Big Locals Podcast. My name is Ian Jimeno and thank you so much for listening to the fourth episode of season two of the Big Locals Podcast. I can't believe we're already on season two, episode four. That's crazy. This episode of Big Locals Podcast features Brit Becton of Arrange. Her entrepreneur story begins like a lot of other people's situations. COVID forced her to pivot into the business owner situation. She has helped several clients create a warm, inviting space from decluttering the living situation to creating a space of utility and function to maybe becoming a matchmaker in the future, utilizing her own design talents. We also go into the heartwarming story of Jonathan Shelley and Brit's little cutie, English bulldog, Ethel May. And the cringy amount of times I say feng shui in this episode, I literally had to Google it to make sure that I was using it in a proper context each time in the interview. Um, How many times do you count me saying feng shui in the episode? Um, Yeah, comment in whatever space you like to comment on. (laughs) I'm no interior designer, and I would definitely hire Britt to help me out on the subject. She's a really cool person. So before, after, or during your listening of this episode, be sure to leave a like, follow, subscribe, review, five stars, or whatever for the podcast. I want the world to hear about the up and coming Denver entrepreneurs and artists of this day and age. Now, Britt Becton of Arrange wouldn't have been able to get this far without her own support foundation. Every person and organization they mention, or she mentions in the episode, um, is in the show notes for your benefit. The featured artist that I will be playing throughout the episode is the one and only Stop Motion, featured on the local ND102.3 radio station, website, and um, social media pages. It was so tough to choose among the groovy, incredibly unique songs that were available uh, to actually feature on this episode. Of course, I had to choose one. And I went with Mandy, a song with sultry vocals and a jazzy guitar embellishing the entirety of the song. Um, but don't limit your listening to just Mandy. Hit up Stop Motion on Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, or wherever kids are listening to music these days. Support your local music. Thanks again to Andy 1023 for recommending some dope local artists. One more huge shout out to Pablo Villalpando out in the San Jose, California area for working on the Big Locals website. Pablo himself has a local mindset, helping out the smaller businesses and side hustles, such as this podcast, with a bartering system. I agreed to trade some of my home brewed beer for his services on the website. Check out his own website and become part of his own bartering system, or if you need an SEO expert, search engine optimization expert for your website, look for pablovielpondo.com. I'll put his website in the show notes, so check that out. Now, without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Britt Beckton and Arrange.
1: you Got you won't see. Pretend you're right, but you can't forget the way.
0: in with a range how the heck are you welcome to the big locals podcast
2: hi thank you for having me i am so excited to be here i've been listening to your podcast for the last couple of months and i think this community that you're creating is is really awesome so oh. i appreciate you having me
0: that means so much to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, it's a labor of love at this point. Um, this is after the my nine to five, this is my my church, if you will. Um after everything is all said and done to make uh, money for the roof over my head, um you know, this is what really brings me down to earth. So thank you so much for even wanting to be on here. and I love just to hear people's stories about all this stuff. So thank you so much. I do want to start off with what you said and uh, some emails that we have been corresponding where you absolutely love Valentine's Day. And it's been about four days ago, but um, as of right now, we're, we're recording. So why do you love Valentine's Day? And I, I will have to say, I love Valentine's Day myself. It's just something in the air. It's the red. It's something about it, right? Well, why do you love Valentine's Day?
2: Yeah, of course I do. I get like crazy endorphins from all the flowers and the chocolates and the hearts. But I think it's really important. My mom, um, I was raised by a single mom and she always sent me like ever since elementary school would send me flowers and she always made Valentine's Day so special for me. And it's just like carried over into my adult you know, life when you're a kid and like You kind of grow out of Christmas, but I have not grown out of Valentine's Day. I think it just gets like more and more special every year.
0: Oh, yeah. Valentine's Day, it honestly holds a special place in my heart as well. Um, Some people might be scrooges when it comes down to that holiday. It's like, oh, it's something for like the bigger businesses to make more profit. But quite frankly, it's just a day to really appreciate what you have and just send out love to those loved ones. Speaking of loved ones, I do want to talk about your young pup, your Ethel May, uh, your English Bulldog. She is a cutie. Tell me a little bit more about her.
2: Oh, she is so sweet. She uh, just turned four in January. Um, and I I got her when I was like going through a really rough time. And she has just been like such an angel for me. She's like literally, you know, all white. You see her. She just has a few spots in her ear. She has the best personality. Like she's been my little lifesaver. I love her so much.
0: She goes on all these adventures with you and I have some experience with English bulldogs. Um when I was 14, my family sort of adopted uh, unwillingly, uh, until they, until the Petey was her name. Um, until she actually like started living with us. My dad was like, okay, you know, I love this dog, but as an English bulldog, they're not very, uh, athletic, you know, with the short snouts and usually they're very like snorty and they sometimes want to lay around. But, um, Ethel May is just on another level. You know, she's, she's a
2: beast. She is, she is a beast. She has a hard time, especially when it gets hot, but she thrives in the cooler weather. Um, And we, we have to, you know, they do have a lot of health issues and the breathing and the snoring and uh, we cook all of her food for her. So that's one thing we keep her healthy. That's why I love the uh, Kate's uh, pet food. I love that podcast because uh, we like every five days we'll cook a batch of food for Ethel. And um, it's so important. I think, you know, people that are feeding their, you know, Dogs, this dog food don't really realize what they're putting into their dogs, and I've just seen a crazy improvement in her health and all of that since we've been we've been cooking for. So that's really awesome. I can
0: really attest to that. You know, where dogs, um, I mean, with people, let's focus on people and diets that they are eating. You know, like fast food, you you put crap in your body, you get crap out, right? It's um, you know a direct, direct correlation with all these proteins or proper carbs and just your diet is so important. And what you don't realize or what most families don't realize is that just this brown compiled mush that gets put into kibbles, it's not very healthy for the dog. And quite frankly, it just doesn't look at that appetizing, you know? So thank you so much for understanding that (laughs) dogs have a diet too that they should be having, right?
2: Yeah. And I one the biggest thing that I noticed was um, she used to guzzle water like crazy everywhere we went. We have to like keep her from drinking water because she would drink so much of it. The, the day we switched her food over, she barely has to drink any water because she's getting so much of that from from the natural food. And she's not getting so dehydrated from that, you know, crap that she was. And I was feeding her nice dog food before, you know, quote unquote, nice dog food. But <laughs> it's made a, it's made a big it's made a big difference. So,
0: yeah. I, oh yeah, totally. I mean, speaking of dogs, and I could go on that subject forever. Um, I, I love my dogs, but um, your story with Jonathan and Shelley—it's um, such an amazing story. And um, I don't want to spoil any of it. I'd rather have you give the context of the story of Jonathan and Shelley. So please tell me the story of Jonathan and Shelley. And it seems like there's such a drawn attachment to the story as well. And even to this human and dog Shelly.
2: Yeah. So um, we uh, were going, we're going to the gym, you know, every day and in our parking lot, I noticed, you know, a van was parked there, an, an older van. And it had like a tarp on it with a lot of things. And I kind of been keeping an eye on it. And one day um, I saw a guy and his dog, and, uh, so that made me pay even more attention to it, you know, cause I'm like, oh, this like sweet, this guy and this dog. And like, they, you know, have this bond and, and this hard time. And, um, like a, a week went by and we pulled in to the gym and the van was still parked there and the window was busted out. And it was snowing, the, the passenger window. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know if like somebody had broken into the van or what had happened. Um, so I was immediately like, these, these guys are, you know, this dog and this guy are living in this van and it's freezing. And I'm sure that like cold air is like not helping in there. He had like a blanket wrapped around the window. And so it was on my mind a lot. And um, like three days later, we pull in and he's out there and he's like recovering his van and like readjusting things. And um, I, I told my boyfriend, I was like, I, I, I like we've got to got to do something. Like I just want to talk to him. And he was like, you know, I don't, I don't know what we could do. And so we went into the gym. And, um, I immediately walked back outside and like, I just walked up to this guy in this like creepy white van. And I was like, (laughs) I, I just like, I just want to check on you and, and make sure you're okay. And he was like, he just kind of like looked shocked and he was like, I'm sorry. He was like, do you own one of these businesses? And I was like, no, I just like work out here. And, and I just, I just wanted to check on you just to make sure you're okay. And he was like, wow, you know, thank you so much. Um, And I was like, is there, I want to do something for you. Is there something, you know, that I could help you with? And he was like, you just talking to me you know, make is all, is all I need. That, that means so much. Thank you so much. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I have to get this guy's window fixed, you know? Um, so I, I didn't mention that to him at that point. Um, I asked him, I did ask him about the window and he said that he got locked out and he had to break it himself to get back into it. And um, so the van wasn't running, so he couldn't turn it on and get heat at night. And so, um, I was like, can I just, you know, Exchange phone numbers, and so I can keep up with you. And so later that night, I posted um, on Instagram and like just all my stories and said, you know, I met this this guy and his dog, and I really would like to get him a new window. If anybody wants to help, you know, if you could just spare like five dollars, and I wasn't sure I was going to get much money at all, you know, but I was just going to pay the difference in the window. And we ended up um, and probably like 30 hours raising a little over $1,200 wow. uh, so we got window fix for him. Um, and the rest of the money um, we just gave to him, we took him out to lunch. I found out that he's vegan. And so, and he loves his dog. I'm like, that's all I need to know about you. You know, you're <laughs> 100% and, um, and you could tell he, he really takes care of himself. He, he's super smart. He plays um, m- multiple instruments and writes music and, You know, he really does want a better life. So I was so glad we were able to get the fix, you know, the window fix that provided like some safety and help with the warmth and the noise. And, um, so then, you know, we gave him the cash. He was really thankful. And then, um, just a few days later, he reached out to me and was like, I just want to let you know, I, um, went to a car dealership and with, you know, the money that you raised, I was able to put that money, you know, as a down payment and they're going to help me with financing on a vehicle, like a Prius. And so I'll have, um, a warm place to sleep at night and transportation. And I couldn't have done this without you. And it was just so amazing. Like,
0: Oh my gosh.
2: Because I, I got to meet him. So like I had, he had a special place in my heart, him and and Shelly did, but all the people that donated never met him, you know? And it was like people that I know are struggling, like single moms that I know are just living paycheck to paycheck. And they were donated. Like I got so every single donation that came in, I got so emotional because I know it's like, I know a lot of those people did not have the money to do that. And they like knew it was important to me and they trusted me. And, um, yeah. Another thing is his, uh, I was asking Shelly's birthday. I was like, when's her birthday? And he's like, you know, I don't know her birthday, but the, um, her adoption day is what I celebrate. And that's, it's August 8th. And I just knew like, I was like, wow, this is like angels or something leading me to this guy because my little cousin who, uh, was passed away a few years ago. he was only nine years old and his birthday was August 8th. And I'm oh, like, "Oh goodness. And I'm talking to him. Yeah. So I, I was just like, wow, I feel like Landon is just washing over us and guiding us to help help these these two.
0: What a story. That is almost serendipitous as well. It was almost meant to be. And I mean, how often do we just walk by these um, you know, homeless people living in their vans? And obviously it seems like this gentleman fell on hard times as opposed to, you know self-destructive behavior and something like that. And, you know, all it takes is a simple conversation, a simple handshake, maybe just an introduction to yourself to like a different world. I'm sure that they're living in a world that's completely separate from the society around them, right? And he was already so gracious just hearing you just interact with him as a human being, right? I mean, what actually, what what drove you to, you know, come up to him? What was it, this empathy that washed over you? And you're like, you know what? This is unnecessary for a human to be living in this condition, especially when there's snow and a window is broken for his home, right?
2: Yeah, I, honestly, you know, I I until we bought our, our place this May, I was living um, in Catville off of Colfax. So I've been in contact with... Uh, the majority of the homeless people in Denver are around that area, you know, so I've been around it quite a bit. Um, but something I, I, and I'm just as guilty as walking past people, you know, you, you kind of become numb to it. And, right. you know, and something, I don't know what it was, I was just drawn and I just had a feeling. And I just, I think a lot of things that I do sometimes don't make sense, but I just have to go with my gut and my intuition. And I just had a feeling that like I can make a difference in, in mm. some way or another. And and I'm glad that with the help of all of my amazing friends, we were able to help <laughs> them. Um, so yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah.
0: And Shelly definitely helps in the situation as well. Knowing that he's, you know, taking care of himself and his diet and Shelly as well. And Shelly, I'm sure, loves him to death. Just actually providing that love, that comfort, and even shelter for her. And it's just that camaraderie, like, hey, misery, love's company, and we can get through all this stuff, right? So it's uh it's a beautiful thing. And that I I think it really shows a lot about your personality and your character that, you know what? let's help someone out today. You know, it, it's, it's such a, a foreign concept these days where, um, homelessness is a huge problem in major cities these days. I'm from San Diego and I mean, there's a couple streets in downtown where it's just tents. Um, I don't know, shopping carts and it's just, you can almost smell them like a mile away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, uh, it's really unfortunate and you know, how do we get past all this stuff? But I think you had a proper solution where as a person, we just got to go up to them and treat them as individuals, you know? Um, so I, I really commend you on that. It's not everyone even wants to do that stuff. So, um, translating that into your personal life and your even professional life, um, I do want to hear your transition into, you know, becoming an entrepreneur. Like at that time, were you working a nine to five job? Were you doing a W-2? And um, what was that tipping point where you wanted to start your own business, which is Arrange?
2: Yeah, I actually, so I, um, come from a banking background before I moved to uh, Colorado. I was living in, uh, Arkansas in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I was working uh, for Arvis bank. It was such an amazing company. And, um, I ended up, uh, taking a job in Colorado and, um, I realized that the banking industry wasn't for me. What I fell in love with was the company itself and working with, um, the customers and, you know, my managers and my team and all of that was what, what I really loved. And it wasn't so much the banking. And so I, um, was about seven years in and I just got burned out, um, and I uh, had had a house in Arkansas that I sold before I moved here, so I had that money in my savings. So I was able to quit my job um, in you know the banking world and uh, take a little bit of time to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, I have had a love for design my whole life. Um, and then I got a feel for it really. When I bought my house, I bought my first house at 22 years old. It was a house that was in foreclosure and it been abandoned and, um, it needed a lot of love and I fixed it up and, you know, kind of got the itch for it then, but I never, I never thought of doing it for a profession, you know, cause I didn't want to taint something that I love with, with the money. I wanted to just be able to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And um, After taking that time off, I decided to do a design program. Um, There was a program in Denver. It was brand new. It was an accelerated program, so I uh, did that, and I finished the program in 2018. Um, And then I went and did I did a an internship, um, an unpaid internship. Um, But it was an opportunity for, I I really loved the woman that I was working with, working under, she needed help. And it was a great networking opportunity. And she ended up referring me to um, a showroom here in Denver, a really like a high end furniture showroom. i walked in for my interview the first day and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's so beautiful. Like, this is what I want to be walking into every day.
0: I love that feeling. Love it.
2: Yeah. And not, you know, stacks of folders of, you know, paperwork. This is, this is what I want to do. So um, I worked at the showroom up until I I knew I wanted to work there. And at some point I wanted to start a business, but I wanted to, you know, get some experience under my belt. And so I worked at the showroom until the pandemic happened in April. And um, it was all of our factories were in Italy so we got hit before the states even got hit.
0: Wow! So wow!
2: So they they already shut down before the United, you know, like before the United States even discussed shutting down. And it's it's kind of hard to you know sell furniture when you know you, the factories are shut and you don't know when they're going to reopen. And, and the lead time before everything shut down was already you know four and a half five months out. So you could order a piece of furniture and it could be over a year out. You know, it's hard. It's wow! Hard for people want to That's buy that. Yeah. So I, um, decided I was like, all right, well, I, I don't know if this company is going to make it and I need to, it's, I'm just going to have to go out there and start doing my own thing. Um, so I reached out to a client that I had met earlier in the year in January, he came in, he was a bachelor and he, uh, we got along just really well immediately. Like our, our personalities got along and he had just bought this really big house. It was like, 3,600 square foot just for him in low high.
1: Wow. <laughs>
2: yeah, so I met him and um, when I was in the showroom, sold him some things. And he asked me at that point, you know, do you want to, um, would you be interested in helping me finish my house? And I was like, yeah, I would. Turns out a week or so later, we got new contracts for the year because it was in January. And I had to sign that I wouldn't do things on the side like that. And I wouldn't sell anything that wasn't from the showroom. So uh-huh. I had... Well, yeah. So I had to turn down, you know, that opportunity, but it was fine. So then in April, when I decided to go out on my own and I put in my notice, um, he was the first person that I reached out to. Like literally the day I put my notice in, um, I set up to go over to his house and um, I had a talk with David. I was like, yeah, you know, just casually mentioning like, you know, I'm going out on my own. I put my notice in if you know anybody that needs any help. And thinking that, you know, my time to help him had already passed because it's been a few months later. But I was thinking I could plant the seed, you know, for, for other projects, you know, somebody that he knows. And he literally called me the next day and was like, hey, I want you to come to work for me. And, and
0: oh, was- love that feeling. That's awesome. Congratulations.
2: Yeah, I, I'm so blessed. I feel like, you know. Everything just works out, and in, in the right timing. So I feel really blessed for that opportunity, and so thankful for him. He gave me so much confidence in myself, and I'm really grateful for that opportunity.
0: Oh my goodness, so much good stuff to unpack, Britt. Um, as far as your transition from. Your professional W 2 job, you know, working in the showroom and starting to, you know, surround yourself with all this inspiration, all this new designs that you can actually implement in people's homes. What was it about this interior design aspect that you really enjoyed? Was it more like, um, you know, this feng shui where, you know, if uh, a, a clean, a organized house is a clear mind, you know, I've heard that before where, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people just attest to their calmness and stress-free environment to the organization that they have in their house, as well as certain artwork, certain themes. What was it about interior design that you, that really drew you to it?
2: I really Think that it's more like a mental health thing. More than anything, I do believe that your home should be an oasis. And like you start you start your day there and you end your day there. And um, and I'm really big on on function too, more than style. You know, some things may be really pretty, but they're just not functional. I, I want to create a space. Um, for people that, you know, no matter what's going on outside they they love their space being home alone, whether they want to have like a little night in or they want to have friends over. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's, it's it really having a nice, clean space that you're proud of and that you feel good in and you know where everything's at can really help your well being all around, your relationships and, and your work and, and whatever else you want to do. I think it starts with your home. So I think that's a that's what draws me to it more than more than the beautiful things that are in the house. You know, it's it's the person and how they live in that space.
0: Oh, totally. And it's funny too, uh, you mentioning all that, uh, where it's this you start your day and you end your day in your bedroom or even in your house, right? Um when I was a kid, uh, my dad he is of he he was in the Navy for like 25 years and he retired not too long ago. And ever since I was a kid, he always pushed to make my bed. I was like, Dad, no one is coming into my room. Why the hell do I need to make my bed? Like I'm just gonna go sleep in it. It's not like it matters, right? Yeah. And uh, me being this selfish little brat, uh growing up to uh post-college, uh starting to get uh girlfriends, and um I'm starting to realize like, hey, I, I I interact with my bed so often, you know, it's a third of my life that I'm spending in my room in general. Why not make it the best possible function? Right? I want to make sure that I'm getting these. Nice, um, uh, these uh, uh, calming vibes, right? I mean, uh, if if your room is chaotic, if your house is chaotic, then your internal, your mental well being is very chaotic as well. You're it's hard to focus. It's, I I didn't realize any of this until I was much older, right? So it, it's funny you bring up all that stuff when you're a kid. None of that matters, and you're like, this is a waste of time. Why the heck would I want to do this? But growing up, you start to understand that uh, it's very important, even for your mental health, as you said. So I'm curious with your uh, clientele, you like to focus mainly on bachelors and bachelorettes. Um, What does that mean exactly? Are you looking for single people that like to just spruce up their their living situation? And um, why do you like that niche?
2: Well, when I was in the design program, I um, just immediately knew, I originally was thinking like, I'm just drawn more um, to the bachelor, uh, the typical bachelor aesthetic. Like I have kind of more of a, like a masculine style, I feel like a lot of the times. And so originally I thought, um, you know, to do bachelors and then I also started, and then I started helping, you know, women as well. And I, I realized I really love that one-on-one relationship. Like I love creating a space for, for that individual person and they don't have to compromise with their partner, you know, on, on what they want. And it gives me more freedom with my creativity and, and those and the bachelors and the bachelorettes, they, you know, at night when you're, bouncing ideas in bed with your partner and you know, they don't have that person. And like, I want to be that person, you know, and, and help them through that process because they don't have anybody else. You know, that's, that's what really makes me want to do just bachelors and bachelorettes. So
0: I think that's really awesome. You're sort of fulfilling that void and sometimes people like me, um, we don't have the best fashion sense <laughs> or even the, the, the best like sense in general of like, what looks good? Like what's a good theme here? You know what I mean? Um, you know, you start to see like ocean vibes in the bathroom and then you transition to the bedroom. It's more like a rustic, you know, uh, cool barn door, HGTV status. You know what I mean? Um, and having someone like you to really understand that, uh, You know, there's, we need to have some sort of commonality here, guys, Uh, or something to, like you said, bounce ideas off of just to really understand, like, hey, this doesn't work, but I think this would look really good in this part of the house and things like that. Um, Going on that same vein, uh, what do you like to implement the most? I mean, when you first look at a room, are you looking at interior wall colors? Are you looking at the, Feng shui of the uh, the furniture, the desks, uh, maybe a certain closet space. What are you looking for first?
2: Yeah, I guess um, it depends on what room you walk into. I think I start more with the layout and the furniture, um, and then go from there. But one of my one of my biggest um, things is is before you design, you need to purge kind of the things that you already have. So that is one of the things that I offer in my packages. I have a design package that you could design from the ground up where I could um, pick the paint and all the finishes and the furniture. Um, but my other package is work with what you have, work with what you already have in your home. Um, you know, you pay my fee to help you. It's a set fee. And then I rearrange the furniture that you already have. We'll go through and we'll purge some things because sometimes you don't need to add more things you need to take away, you know? So I think that's a big part of it. And that's a big part of, you know, living your best day to day is, um, you know, so I'll go through my, my work with what you got package is we'll pick a space. I like to focus on one room at a time. Um, and we'll go through all of the things in that space. And, you know, if it doesn't serve the space or, you know, you don't really care about it anymore and we could get rid of it, it will, um, either resell it. Or if it's in, um, not in good condition, we can toss it or donate it. It's up to you. And then I'll just go through and, and rearrange your the furniture that you already have, and I think like that was really important for me to to offer this because not everybody has a hundred and sixty thousand dollar budget, you know.
1: To,
2: <laughs> and also, a lot of people in Denver are renting, and you know they're not able to afford a house. The, the housing market here is so expensive that mm. I that you shouldn't, you don't have to spend a bunch of money to make your space look nice. You know, you can. You could also like, to so the work with what you have, I'll also go in after we purge and organize and rearrange the furniture that you already have. Um, if you need a few accessory pieces, I'll pick out some new accessory pieces for you. It just depends on your budget. Um, but yeah, I think that that, I think the purging and the organizing is just as important as the designing aspect of it.
0: Oh man. speaking of American culture and purging. Uh, those are opposite ends of the spectrum. If you ask me, um, going from I need all this stuff to, I kind of want all this stuff to, I don't need any of this stuff, right? There's just just that shift and mental. Has that been ever a problem, even with you personally, where some things might have more of an emotional value and you just have a tough time of letting it go? Or are you more of the person that I, I think this might be the answer where you look more for function? and utility. Um, If it doesn't provide that benefit, then it's definitely more on the purge it end of the spectrum, right? What's your take on that? And have you ran into any people or clients that have given you maybe a different perspective? Like, how should I approach this? Especially with people that um, have things that may seem insignificant and not very functional. How can I work with this
2: yeah, I, I have had um, one client, especially who um, going through her closet, she, you know, came from a really uh, poor background and she worked really hard to get where she was. And she, you know, she was in her forties um, at that point. She was an, an attorney and, um, you know, going through her closet was just stuff full of so many clothes. And, you know, we went in there and we were like pulling everything out. And, you know, as we're talking, you know, we're going through um, why she has some of this stuff. And some of it was her first things that she ever purchased for herself when she started making money, you know, clothes, shoes, wow. and she hasn't wore them and that long, but it just was, you know, a transition, a memory, a transition in her, in her life. And, You know, just looking at all that stuff, I never would have thought that, you know, and so it was it was nice to to like hear that and experience that with her. And we just had to work through like, you know, you're you've been in this great place for so long now and we need to make room for for new memories in the next step of your life. And, you know, we purged her closet. We did not spend a single penny in there, you know, on organizing or anything. And it looked like a completely different closet just because she was like, wow some of those things and donate it. And, and she felt so much better. Like after, you know, it was hard during the process, but we worked through it and it, it worked out really well. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that she let me be a part of that experience.
0: I, I'm sure that was very personal for her too. Like even just having someone like you come in and um, come in non-judgmentally too, you know, you want to make sure that you're uh, very, you're you're catering to them and their emotional well-being as well. And they've uh this lady uh has had these things for maybe even decades, right? I mean, yeah. going to that transition from you know n- not the greatest financial situation into you know an attorney. It's uh such a great transition, but you know, all these memories of you know that previous time and knowing your roots uh i'm sure it was very tough for her to you know tr- make that leap into hey let's move on from here as opposed to look towards the past and then try to live with that past along with your future. So, and that's, I I think there's a little bit of psychology that you have to take into account as well. Um, Is that an extra fee too? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The psychology behind it, I'm sure is just, you know, kind of daunting for yourself. And um, after looking at other people's uh, living situations, um, have you seen a transition in yourself, in your own living situation, where you start to uh, compare and you're like, you know what, this sounds great in my life as well. Have you thought about that as well?
2: You know, I, every once in a while, I'll, I'll, do, go to a project and it's a completely different style than my style. And, and I get to, you know, it's, it's, all, it's about their style. It's not about me at the end of the day. And, um, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I want to add this into my house. And <laughs> you know, and I don't have to, because I get to, to experience that through them. And, you know, so I haven't really changed. I'm pretty sad on my things. I'm a, I'm a minimalist in my own space. Um, so it's, I get to live vicariously through, through my clients.
0: That's awesome. You get to see like a sample platter of all your clients like, Oh, nice. I like this uh, rustic vibe or this modern vibe. Cool. I'm just going to go back home though. <laughs> I like what I got.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I did uh, get a little crazy. I have like a lot of neutrals in my own space. And um, before uh, my boyfriend and I moved in together, I was like, I'm I'm never going to get the chance to do this again. So I just like went out and bought like a pink sofa and bought like this super risque, you know, artwork and things and (laughs) and enjoyed it for a short time, you know, because I'm like, okay, I I can't have a, a pink sofa and I don't really want to have a pink sofa forever. But just getting to spice it up while I was single and doing my thing was really fun.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, shoot, everyone should have a pink sofa at some point in their life, to be honest. That sounds super fun. And it's like a conversation piece as well. And people almost, I don't want to say look at you differently, but uh, they have a different attitude towards you. Like, ooh, looks like Brit is a risk taker. All right. I like that. Very cool. And speaking of your minimalist attitude to everything, Um, on your website, which congratulations, by the way, by releasing it and having it out to the public, it's always a huge step. You know, websites are the thing of the modern age. So, um, on your website, you have, um, in big, bold letters, simple and significant. What exactly does that mean to you?
2: And another thing, when I was in the design program, um, I, you know, a lot of the designers, had these beautiful spaces, but they would have like three rugs, like layered on top of each other. And just a bunch of things that when you walk in the space, if you were to take out five items, they would not be able to tell you what five items that you remove from that space. So when I am, you know, designing spaces and picking things, I, I want every single thing that is in that room, if it were to be missing, that you would know that it's missing because it's important and it's functional and, and, or it brings you, you know, joy and, you know, a conversation piece or something. I, mean, I don't want to put things in there as fillers. Um, so that's, that's really important and to my style and, um, and, and what's in, what's important to me.
0: Wow. Even looking at my own like studio space here, I can probably go through with that same exercise here. <laughs> We're like, hey, take apart or take away five different things and see if you notice something. That's a really good exercise for you to just understand like is this really necessary, right? And that minimalist attitude is very tough for some people. And honestly, even for me, sometimes, you know, uh, some things are like, you know what, I might need this one day. Like there's a random band aid like at the corner of my table or something, you know, and you're like, I might get a cut, you know, <laughs> that transition where you're forcing yourself to purge. Um, I moved from San Diego, California to here, Denver, and I was running into things that I have never seen before since I moved into that space back in San Diego. And me and my wife were like, we should get rid of this. This is ridiculous that we have things that we haven't used in the past year. Like it could have been a winter thing, could have been a rainy thing, but we didn't even pull it out of the closet. So I think people should really start to realize that it, it, it doesn't need to have a big exodus or a move in order for you to, you know, do this purge that you're uh, constantly like an advocate for. And it really clears your mind and knowing that um either it's going to a better place, like to a thrift store, or it's just out of your way, you know, as as junk. It's just clutter for your own mind and it's in the way in your own space. So um and that I think there's something to be said about that. So um, I, I wanted. I do want to go back with your clientele. Who is your ideal client? I know you mentioned like bachelors and bachelorettes, but I know that you have this like intro phone call that you have with your clients. What do you want to have that relationship be like between you and your client?
2: So when I uh, my my first official client, Lauren, we had such a good relationship. And I felt like, you know, I was a a, a friend, um, to him and he was a friend to me. And I want that to transition. I want to feel that every single time I work with somebody, I want to feel that friendship and I want to make sure, um, you know, that we're we're the right, you know, we're the right fit that, you know, they're going to kind of tell me what they're looking for. Maybe if they want a full remodel of their house, um, you know, maybe I'm not the right person for that. Maybe, you know, but I really imagine uh, when I, when I started this before I even started the business when I was in design school, I was imagining My clients being um, like kind of like a a nerdy techie guy, Uh, you know, just has no idea, has the budget, but has no idea, you know, what to do um, in his space and doesn't have the confidence to bring a girl over or bring even his friends over. Um, And then I've, I've thought about, you know, people going through through divorces that, you know, maybe don't have a lot of money and they have like a hodgepodge of what was left over from whatever they just went through. And, and I could, you know, help them, you know, sort through those things. I, at the end of the day, I just want to have a good, um, I want my client to trust me and I want to trust them. And I, I really do want to change their life in, in some way or another. So I think that that's the most important thing what I'm looking for in a client.
0: Oh, totally, and I kind of know what the clientele that you're you're talking about, and they can really benefit from you know having that boost of confidence, even if it's not just themselves, but their living space. You know, it's a reflection of who they are and what they believe in, right? So, having a person like you who has um, you know experience in interior design and who can really help out uh, this person and bring out that, um, expressive attitude with that person from within. Because, you know, with software engineers, developers, um, they probably don't even have the time to put this all into fruition, right? Um, having someone else to bring that out of them, uh, is, you know, fulfilling in them. So, uh, I I can definitely see where you're coming from in that regard. Are you looking at, um, a long-term relationship with your clients or are you looking at like, Hey, uh, I I fixed, uh, this portion up, uh, your room looks fantastic now. Um, let me know if you have any other friends or family that might benefit from my services.
2: Yes. I, when I, I imagine this, I imagine being friends with these people after you know for me it's it's important i want to keep up with them i want these people to be a part of my life i want to be a part of their life you know if they decide to do another room later or um their place got a little out of whack and they need me to come back or they want to refer you know i it's, i would really like and maybe at some point if i have enough clients maybe i could do some matchmaking you know maybe there you awesome.
0: go all right
2: i know right. how both of you live i know what your spaces are like i know what <laughs> maybe I could hook them up. And, you know, at this point, I really want to work specifically with bachelors and bachelorettes because that's where my passion lies with that one-on-one relationship. But, you know, as I'm growing, my business is growing and maybe they're growing, maybe they need a partner and they have a family and they want me to design their space later. That would be amazing, you know, because i work for them and we understand each other's relationship and we've got to grow together. And, you know, that's, that's what I, what I hope for. And I envision, and I hope to bring to fruition.
0: I love that matchmaking space, especially when they might not know it, but someone out there has that same taste in, you know, art or her furniture or that like that movement around the room. Right? Uh, there's this sort of flow that uh, matches someone else, and if anything, it's very subconscious, you know. And the the subconscious part of you um, can feel or understand someone else's subconscious, but it's very rare. You get to bring that out of people. And it's not until you go into their living situation that you start to understand who that person really is. Right. I, I think that's an awesome, uh, segue into, uh, the whole matchmaking thing from interior design. That's brilliant. <laughs> so I had a wonderful time, Brit, but before I let you go, um, I, i just, love talking about uh, your business and just how you grew into the whole interior design space and going from the pandemic. uh, A lot of businesses these days are flourishing just because they believe in themselves as opposed to spending time and effort and all this mental energy into a company or a different business when it's, um, as risky, if not less risky and investing in yourself with all this mental energy. So thank you for sharing your story in the whole arrange world. Right. But before I let you go, I do want to ask you four questions called the no brainers. And these are questions that I ask every guest on the podcast. Uh, the first question is if you had some advice for your younger self, what would it be?
2: Do not get cheap tattoos pay pay for a really good tattoo artist do not tattoo with fake id because you will regret it later um also buy property in denver because in you know 2021 it is going to be a hot commodity so i would have loved if my younger self would have invested in some property here
0: are you a real estate investor or are you just, you just like to pick up
2: property just to live in? Yes. Yeah, so I, um, just property to live in and, um, you know, fix it up, live in it for a couple of years and then, you know, sell it and, and move on. I hope my next house is, you know, maybe my for, forever home, but it has been fun to, to buy places and, and tweak it a little bit and, and turn around and sell it and let somebody else enjoy it. Oh, totally.
0: And you got that eye already. So you just need the house. You could spruce it up, uh, have it ready for those showings and then off to the races with that stuff. So that's awesome. I love real estate myself. Uh, I guess I'm more in the investor space and let someone else, uh, maybe even my wife just do the design work. So um, I I just love the real estate aspect. I mean, San Diego is ridiculous in the whole real estate space and Denver, um, it is hot. It is a very hot market. My brother um, just picked up a property, but he had to purchase it like fifty grand over asking price. It was ridiculous, but nonetheless, he got his first spot, and he's definitely banking on it long term. And coming from San Diego to here in Denver, um, it's a, uh, I guess, a little bit more of a discount, but uh, at the same time, it is still hot here. So second question of the no brainers, uh, who deserves a shout out and who has supported and hyped you up along the way?
2: Ah, okay. Well, I guess um, I have to start with my, my partner who I live with, uh, Ryan, you know, us having, we bought a house together and having the stability of this home together and, you know, not having to worry about, you know, a mortgage on my own and him giving me the freedom to take this risk and believe in me has been really helpful. And I, I, I would have done it without him, but he's made it a lot easier. Um, And then my friends, I have some great friends that, you know, when I doubt myself, I could be my own worst enemy. They really pump me up. Uh, One of my oldest friends, Emily, she is here in Denver too. She moved out here. We've been friends since third grade. She also, she does hair. So if anybody needs um, a hairstylist, she specializes in color. She has a little spot um, in Boulder. Um, So I'll give you her information. Her name is Emily at Main Roots Salon. Um, Main
0: Roots, like M-A-I-N?
2: M-A-N-E, Main
0: Roots. Okay.
2: So she has a little group and um, she works there on the weekends and she's been doing hair forever. She's really great at color. Um, I've also I have to shout out Kate from Moon Raccoon because I would not even know about this podcast if it wouldn't have been for her. Um, I I love what they're doing with their business and um, they're such an inspiration. And then also I recently met um, a matchmaker. Um, she's modern Yenta. Her name is Abby, and I thought you know since I don't have a social media um, for like an Instagram for my for my. Business account, I was like, I don't know how to market. I, I want to stay away from Instagram. It's really important to me. I don't feel like my clientele is on there. So I reached out to her and she has been so amazing and so supportive and, um, you know, wanting to help me find clients and me help her. And so, Abby at Modern Yenta, I really appreciate her hyping me up, especially today. We had a conversation the day before this and she has a podcast too. So she, you know, just said, have fun with that. And that was really helpful.
0: So remind me Abby the matchmaker what is her business?
2: It's she has um her Instagram is modern yenta um she has the social podcast as well so yeah she's I mean she's the matchmaker she's helping you know the single men and women in Denver find love. I think her, her clientele also is around as um, mainly 30 to 45. She was telling me. So it, you know, she's a really natural fit for us to, to work together. Um, so we mindful of those things. So that's been really helpful.
0: That is brilliant. That is so cool. How did you even uh, come to find Abby?
2: I, you know, I was brainstorming with my friend and it's like, I don't know how I'm going to, Market. I, I'm really against doing Instagram, I and mean, everybody keeps telling me you have to do an Instagram. It's free marketing. I'm like <laughs> What's that against doing it. Like I have a personal one, but I don't. I'd rather spend my time with my clients and then trying to get likes and followers. And I thought of a matchmaker, and so I just I started researching, and she was the first one that popped up, and I kind of had a good feeling about her. She's the only one I reached out to, and um, you know she came back, and we had a meeting, and yeah, it feels like it could be a really good fit for us to, to work together. So that's exciting.
0: That is very cool. Like a symbiotic relationship. And, uh, of course, being a podcaster, you meet a lot of interesting people as well. Um, and of course she can definitely refer you in that whole process. So number three of the no brainers, uh, what's the next big thing for a range and can the audience provide anything of value to you?
2: I, yeah, I just want to focus on, you know, getting good clients that I could help. And, um, if, if anything that I said today made you think of, you know, a friend or an uncle or, or anybody, um, please, you know, send them my way. Um, I would, I would love to, to help them.
0: And last question of the no brainers. What's the best way for people to contact you and get more information about a range?
2: My website is www.arrangecolorado.com. You can message me directly from the contact link there or email me directly at brit at arrangecolorado.com. I do not, as I just mentioned, have an Instagram account for my business. Um, I have a personal Instagram account. If you feel like you want to be friends and follow me, Um, that's at the big Dale. My middle name is Dale. (laughs) So feel free To um, reach out and be friends, and if you have any ideas, and oh, also I would love if anybody has recommendations on resale furniture places uh, in the Denver area, um, especially the work with what you've got if you don't have a big budget. I love to use resale items, and um, I also have a little spot on my website where you I um, find vintage pieces at flea markets and stuff and, and resell them or use them in my project. So if anybody has any recommendations for um, little flea markets or resale shops in Denver, I'd really appreciate those.
0: Awesome. Everyone, Britt is the person to go to when it comes to interior design. As you hear from her initial story with Jonathan and Shelley. I mean, she has a heart of gold as well as a great business. Um, she can really help you out, even if it's just purging you know, uh, think about your own life and your own, uh, you know, your environment and the place that you live. I feel like everyone can benefit from this stuff. And I'm looking around my own studio and it looks ridiculous compared to even what I'm seeing in your webcam. So, (laughs) um, well, Britt, thank you so much. Uh, I had such a blast uh, learning about you and your business and just everything about it um, it's always such a uh, wild concept to me about in- interior design i really don't have much of a artist's eye and so hearing someone else's perspective on this stuff uh, is very eye-opening and mind-blowing to me so thank you for sharing your story and thank you so much for being on the big locals podcast i appreciate that thank you
2: so much for having me yeah, we'll do this video
0: Who else felt the feels of that Jonathan and Shelly story in the beginning of this episode? Um, it's way too often we bypass people who need our help. And quite frankly, Jonathan seemed taken aback just from the simple hello from Brit. A little bit goes a long way. And whether that be a wave, a hello, or a checkup on someone who you lost connection with over time, it's, it's amazing what something so simple can do. Brit wants to, to help you out with your living space. And b- before she can do that, she wants to help you or she wants you to be honest with yourself, you know, help her help you in the sense of, you know, let's clean up the, the space and let's purchase some items from your living space because a clean living situation is a clean mental situation. It really puts your thoughts and your day in order by starting off with a healthy cleanse of clutter that shouldn't take any focus away from your daily life. So much good stuff in this episode. Ah, wish we can go on longer. But thanks for sticking around to the end, and I will reward you with the ending to the song, Mandy, by Stop Motion. As always, shop local, support local, fake locals podcast. See
1: ya! So I'm to your cheek Cause you can't believe I'm never ride or die Fantasy